Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sent Some More. I'm so excited that you're here to join me this week, and wow, do we have a great show. Coming up today, you're going to meet two extraordinary ladies, Cindy Crow of the Blue Sky Community Healing Center is joining us, as well as the delightful author Amy Sorrells will be joining us from Indiana. A uh, big shout out. To uh, my twins, Alex and Olivia, happy birthday, happy 28 years and nine months that you've been in my life. I love you both so much, and I just want to say that you have enriched my life with honor, uh, your create, you know, humor, your creativity, and your love. I just, you guys crack me up. So thanks for choosing me to be your mom. Also, a shout out, uh, Olivia, congratulations on your engagement. Wow. <laughs> Good one to keep that one a secret. I love that. And this has been a bittersweet week for me as a mom because my other son, Anthony, just broke his arm at work. Not so much fun. He's in a little bit of pain. So let's all give him a little prayer for a quick healing. I just received word from our good friend, Stan Grafham at the Hope Project International. He's been on the show before. Um, that, his pa- that his partner, Pastor Carlos Sanchez, was injured in a motorcycle accident taking his daughter to school. Now, Pastor Carlos is a leader in his community. He pours his whole life into meeting the needs of others. And Than tells me that everything that Hope Project has done in Cristo Rey, Nicaragua, is a direct result of the pastor's work. He hand-selected 27 families that now received homes through Hope Project in the last three years, and those 27 families are made up of 130 people, 47 adults, 83 children that Carlos knows by name. So the work that these families, the the work that is done with these families is only a fraction of what Pastor Carlos does on a day-to-day basis in the community. And Than says that at Hope Project, we always talk about changing the world, but Pastor Carlos is doing it. So Pastor Carlos and his wife have three children and only one vehicle, that motorcycle. So anytime they want to travel as a family, part of the family goes on a bus and he follows behind on the bike. Now, they have had incidences on the bus where his sons have been assaulted. And last year, his wife got her fingers uh, shut in the bus door. Hope Project International has a line on a used truck that they wish to purchase for the family. And uh, in total, I think with all the appropriate paperwork, tags and insurance will will cost about $15,000. We're not yet sure how much the medical bills are going to be for um, Pastor Sanchez, but there is another friend down in Managua who is helping to get the pastor some medicine and trying to find a sling and brace for his shoulder. So if you'd like to help out, please go to www.hopeprojectinternational, which is intl.com slash Pastor Carlos. And you can go there and you can donate some money uh, if you want to help with the car or help uh, with his medical bills, I know it would be greatly appreciated. They're just devastated uh, by this injury for him. So a lot, as many of my longtime listeners know, Frankie Sense is aligned with the UN Global Goals. And you can read about those goals at www.globalgoals.org. Now, the United Nations has set out these priorities for the next 30 years, and I'm really excited about it. And today we're going to be in alignment with global goal number 10, which is reduced inequalities. And it's perfect because Cindy Crow, 
who's with us is someone who knows a thing or two about inequalities, and she's doing something about it. She's a member of the Lake Helen First Nations Robinson Superior Treaty Area, which is located, as we mentioned, um, about an hour east of Thunder Bay, and that's in Ontario, Canada. Her spirit name is Standing Strong. I love that. And her clan is Caribou. In her language, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her name. I'm going to ask her to do that for us in just a minute uh, because I think I almost have it. For 11 years, Cindy has been the founders and executive director, which is the lodge keeper for Clear Blue Sky Traditional Teaching Lodge, which is operating as the Blue Sky Community Healing Center. And her her for-profit business, Cindy Crow Consulting, is now um, being phased out as all of her time is being spent on the community center but she was a special she specialized as a community liaison community engagement and community development counselor uh i know she has tons of experience cindy welcome <laughs> hi give it give us give us your name please in uh ojibwe <laughs> let's hear it so so bear with me um I was not raised with the culture or the language, so I am also probably not doing a great job, Frankie, of, okay. of, of saying my own name. But um, I love the fact that I've. Re- this is actually my second name I've received. So, so in the language we would say Memeshkwe Gabawik Nindijnikaz, and the Nindijnikaz part of it is I'm saying my name is so it so it's at the end right. it's, it's at the end so Mamashkwe Gabawik Nindijnikaz so my name is standing strong okay in the caribou is it adik nududum very good so adik nindodum so yeah the nindodum part is my clan is okay and so we would say that if we were entering into a sweat lodge or at the beginning of a ceremony, um, you would let the creator know that, yes, this is this is your name. So then the creator knows who's talking. OK, wow. Well, very good. It's interesting because you do teach you do teach the language, the Ojibwe um, in your in your healing center at the community center. Yes. You, you teach um, classes in that and as well as um, what? Well, I know that you use the medicine wheel. And what else do you teach at the, at the center? Yeah, so a variety of things. So our, our mandate of the center is all about inclusion. So, yeah, right. when you talked earlier about reducing inequality, mm-hmm. we're, we're all about, uh, yeah, accepting all people into our, you know, into our circle. So we're very, we're very big about that. Um, some of what we teach is... Indigenous practices, mm-hmm. so it could be a sharing circle, um, yeah, learning the language, and it's not me that's teaching the language. Um, <laughs> okay. you but know, you teach shamanic healing, don't you? Uh, yes, yes, I do do that. Um, and as a lodge keeper, so my role as a lodge keeper is I'm actually creating a warm, comfortable environment for people to share in. That's my, that's my role. So that could be in many places. Right. Wow. Well, you're the mom of five. I am the mom of five. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I can hear from just your voice how how you would create a welcoming environment. We can hear that. So I yeah, I've had some practice doing it, and um, you know, people that come in every day, they help me to remember a little bit more about. 
uh, yeah, why I'm doing this, um, what makes it so exciting and such a new adventure every single day. And every single day I get, I think, I get a little bit better at remembering, yeah, who I am and and why I'm here and 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 to always make sure that this space is available for whoever needs it. I, I always want to make sure of that. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you weren't raised. Um, were you... Were you- you were raised with an indigenous worldview or not? I was not. Okay, so you were, not. where did you grow up? So so my father is the uh, indigenous parent in the family. Um, okay. He has uh, also mixed heritage. So his his dad, so my grandfather was French Cree from so North from northern Manitoba. Okay. Well, yeah, some people would automatically think that, but Métis is a very distinct culture. Okay. So he saw himself, yeah, as as uh, as a Cree person. And then my grandmother was Ojibwe. So um, that's on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, her grandmother came straight from England. So definitely um, mixed heritage. And sure. yeah, you know, because of the way that my father was raised without the culture as well, you know, he chose, yeah, he chose not to have us involved with it, not even to even take an interest in it. He was very afraid of it. He's still oh, very wow. afraid of it. Interesting. So I was raised as a Roman Catholic. Okay. So when did you get, um, when did you become involved? Like when did, did you kind of wake up and go, Oh, I need to, uh, get back in touch with my people. So the day I remember the day very clearly, it was the day my first, my first child was born. So the day my daughter Cynthia was born, uh, in 1981, a couple of things hit me. One was, you know, instantly becoming a parent, realizing all the crappy stuff I had done to my own parents growing up. It was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, how can you guys even still love me? I was just such a rotten kid. Uh, I remember that hitting me, and the other thing that I remember is this drumming started to happen in my heart, and I and I was trying to figure out, yeah, what what is this all about? What uh-huh. is going on with me? And somehow, instinctively knowing that I needed to get back to the lakehead, I needed to move back here to Thunder Bay and get in touch with my roots. Now, it didn't happen. It didn't happen until about uh, 15 years later. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, the, the history speaks for itself. Now I, I was able to get in touch with my culture. And now I have the great pleasure of sharing that with other Indigenous people as well as non-Indigenous people. And I'm super grateful. Now, did you live up north before you joined? the? Yeah, so I wasn't that far away. I, okay. I spent the majority of my life in Sudbury, which which is not that far from. Yeah, but uh, no, there's it's a, it's about twelve eight, hours. 10, yeah. twelve hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. about twelve hours away. So yeah, not very far away. And I remember uh, growing up in Sudbury, feeling like I did not belong there. Oh really? Yeah, it did not. It did not feel comfortable to me. Interesting. So. Um, Tell, tell us, for those who don't know, how, how many nations are in First Nations? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot. Um, yeah. it, it's uh, it's mind-boggling, really. Um, 
you know, how many nations we're blessed with. But if you were to, let's say, break it down into treaty areas, we we have five treaty areas in in Ontario. Right. And uh, the largest being Nishnabi Aski Nation, which actually makes up two thirds of the province of Ontario. And I bet there's a lot of people that don't know that. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, is, it, that, is that the Joseph Brant, the Brantford? area people no 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 oh. that's that that's a that's another one yeah oh okay so uh yeah so you know what i'm gonna have to stop because oh. we're gonna go to commercial in 30 seconds okay, sorry, sorry. but i do i do i am interested in finding out a little bit more because it's interesting i don't think that they call them first nations in the u.s and maybe our friend in the u.s uh amy can, can tell us about that but if you're listening you don't want to go anywhere because man we have a lot to talk about and as diverse as these two ladies seem on the surface i think they have a lot in common and we're going to find out all about that in just a few minutes so stay tuned stay close don't go anywhere getting warmed up frankie sense and more we'll be right back after we pay the bills Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, in ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Teglov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. And we're back and we're going to have a more conversation with Cindy, but I do want to introduce you to Amy um, because she's, she's a, an interesting woman and 
we want to bring you in on the conversation. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. It said, it said, Amy, that, um, that you that you write for uh, Words of Hope for Hurting World. And you're a winner of the 2012 Women of Faith Writing Contest, a two-time ACFW Genesis Award semifinalist. Amy got her start writing in uh, journalism for medical publications and enjoyed a three-year stint as a weekly op-ed columnist for her town newspaper. And her passion for healing is also reflected in her role as a registered nurse for a large hospital. And when she's not writing or reading, she can be found barehanded in the garden uh, with dirt or covered in paint while refurbishing antiques. And a graduate of DePaul University, Amy lives with her husband, three sons, and a gaggle of golden retrievers we have that in common in central indiana uh beautiful your dogs are so cute i have to say (laughs) yeah they are and i don't i don't put pictures of my kids and my husband on social media so that's why my social media is full of them (laughs) yeah well i just finished reading your late your third novel lead me home such a beautiful book really and you know it's interesting um i was reading a uh a little review that somebody had done. But first, I, I just want to say this. Um, your hope for the book was that for any person who picks it up that feels they're too small or too broken or too invisible to matter in life, to know that they matter. Not only do they matter, they are essential and beautiful and important. Now, that is quite something. Quite a statement, Amy. You beautiful. think so? Yeah, you think so? <laughs> Don't you, Cindy? (laughs) I mean, mean, to read a book, to pick up a book of fiction and hope that, you know, that reader can find themselves and can find hope through your words. And they do. They do find hope. I mean, you don't shy away from any topic. I'll tell you that. You know, the book is (laughs) filled with real struggle and strong emotion. But you really do talk about the messy things in life. You know, you mm-hmm. talked about um, abuse of women in a marriage. You talked about, uh, you know, morality and uh, suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a nurse, I guess you see a lot of that. Man, you know, maybe that's where my nursing rubs off because people always ask me why I'm, you know, why or if I'm ever going to write, you know, medical medical books. And I just, I think I'm too close to it to actually write books in that genre. But, um, But I think all of the things that I've, in my 20 plus years of nursing just make me realize I think there's a I think there's a lot more people that feel you know not beautiful and too small and too broken um, there's a lot more of those folks in the world than there are of the ones that media and and just media in general would would have us believe um, mm-hmm. so yeah now you've, you've you've lived in Indiana your whole life I have for the- and for those who don't know, it's, it's um, through the Hoosier State, <laughs> whatever that is. I don't know. What is Hoosier State? There's, What's there's a Hoosier? A lot of debate. We don't know. We don't know what it is either. <laughs> <laughs> there's but a lot of mistakes. Come hell or high water. Okay. Yeah. And um, and then yeah, we're getting ready for our big huge race, which. Most most of the time, if I'm out of Indiana, people will ask about the Indy 500, which sure. is the hundredth running of it this year. So I I have to make sure I mention that because it's it's something. Yeah, so. I've been to the Indy once, but it'd be have fun. you? Mm-hmm. So do you do a big like? Does every household do a big thing, or do you all go on mass, or just watch it on TV, or how does it work out for you guys? 
I grew up going to the race almost every year, and then once I started having kiddos, that you know, once you have kiddos, that kind of changes a lot of things. Which not for the negative, it's just that kind of yeah. got out of the habit of going to the track. Sure. Um, but you know, generally cookouts and listening on the radio is is a big tradition. So, okay, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, in your book, you, you talk. It, it kind of centers on a small town where there's a pastor whose wife had died. So he's struggling with, you know, really still after a couple of years overcoming the, the death of his spouse. And now his teenage daughter who has struggled with the death of her mom is kind of, you know, hormones and acting out and all that stuff that girls do as they're hitting their teens. Um, and as you talked about today, you know, you had a couple of weeks ago, there was a tornado and, and in your book, there's a big storm that kind of changes everything. Mm-hmm. So life imitates art, imitates <clears throat> life. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. They say, right what you know. And so, so a lot of the things town? Um, I live on the outskirts of in a suburb of Indianapolis, but the book was inspired by my cousins who have a dairy farm just just about five miles from here. Um, and I grew up going there and, and watching them do their work. And so my other two books were based in Michigan and, and Alabama. Um, and I wanted to, to for this third one, to be closer closer to home. And, you know, my uh, husband's you know, relatives have a dairy farm in or in um, Idaho. And I, I did identify with, you know, all the hard work that, that these two kids, you know, especially, you know, that they had to go out and do every single day. And the one younger, the younger son had such a passion for music and really wanted to become a musician and was actually called to Nashville to, you know, um, to interview and, and, and to, uh, you know, show up and see what they could do with his music. But his older brother had some kind of a, uh, was mentally challenged in some way. You don't say what it is in the book, I don't think, um, but can't speak. And so he feels this pressing need to stick around for his mom and his brother, um, even though he's a younger son, and maybe not have his dream come true. Have you known that in your own life? Or did your children go through anything like that? Um, no, but I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it in other people, you know, and probably there again, um, is is where the nursing comes into play where where life you know you you want your life or you imagine your life going one way but um the life has a way of throwing wrenches in that um despite despite our our best intentions so um so you know while i haven't necessarily had that happen to me firsthand i i feel like i can i've seen enough people going through that that it that it rang true you, you talk about the theme of brokenness in the book, about people being broken. What would that encompass to you? I think a lot of the characters in this in this book have have examples of that going on. You have mm-hmm. um, Noble, the character Noble's mom, who whose husband left her. You have Noble, who you know, of course, that was his dad who left him. Um, and again, with Noble's mom, her name's Lori. Um, you know, she has. Eustace, who is mentally challenged, and so there's a there's a broken dream. None of us imagines that we're going to have kids who who struggle, and so that's sure. a, a lifelong thing. Um, and then, of course, there's James, who lost his wife, and he's losing his church, and so um, and just the 
just the small town, the small town life in general. Where I, I grew up kind of wanting to live in a small town, but I, I feel like the folks that I meet from small towns wish that they were other places. Always, always. Yeah. And, and Cindy, you know, you grew up in Sudbury, which is kind of small town ish, but I imagine living on, um, you know, in a reservation area, like it's kind of even more small town because everybody knows everybody in what you're doing. Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Very, very small town. So yeah, the, the, the little place that I grew up in, in Sudbury, it's called Val Canon. It's a very French uh, community, very small. Okay. And uh, north, just, you know, a little north of, of Sudbury. And uh, yeah, it, it would be similar to a reserve because reserve living is exactly that. I mean, you know, you know, everybody, right? right? You right. know, everybody, kids can't get away with anything because, Somebody else would have, somebody, somebody's <laughs> going to tell your parents what you, uh, what you were up to for sure. When you think of a small town, Amy, small town living, like, you know, that idea that you wanted to move to a small town, what was it that, that appealed to you? Was it that everybody would know you? I think in a way it was, you know, the idea of walking down the street and being able to, to just to, to know the people in the cars who are passing by and for them to know me and, and, um, yeah, I think there is. As it can be a detriment, but I, I right. think there's a, a quaintness about it that's that's appealing as well. Yeah, is is you know I, I I lived in both, and in the summers we had a farm, and so I lived in a little town of Newcastle, and everybody knew who we were. <laughs> I'm not sure I like that so much. I, I kind of prefer a little bit of a. I mean, I love people, but I like don't like everybody knowing everything I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice to be anonymous sometimes too. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in on where you live, Cindy, um, just the I, I like the idea though of community helping community, and I did have my kids in a in a small community like that where. Um, I don't know how it happened, but we lived on a cul-de-sac where all the moms had kids at the same time. There was a park across from our street, and no matter who was there, um, they would look after that other person's child. They would discipline that child. They would give them food if they needed it. They would, you know, come on, come with me. You got a boo-boo? I'll fix it. There was none of, let's go find your mom. It was just, we're community, and we'll look after one another. That was beautiful, and I've never sensed that again anywhere, but... um, that I think it does take a village sometimes, and and it's nice if you can have that. Yeah, I, I agree. I really, you know, we we don't really have that in in Thunder Bay. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I like this the uh, small community style um, way of of living. Yeah, you don't really have that here. I mean, people don't really know their neighbors here. Okay. I don't know my neighbors. I, I here. like how uh, Frankie how you said that that Cindy and I would have more in common than maybe we maybe we would think that we did and i i love Cindy how you were talking about um the the mission of of your um organization for community and inclusion and acceptance and and i think a lot of those things are are portrayed in the book but i think the characters aren't willing to they don't want that they want they're comfortable in their in their independence um but it's only when they realize how much they need each other um that that really you know some pretty neat things start to happen well we're going to go to a break very soon um how how soon are we going in 15 seconds but i want (laughs) to come back and talk about that because you you raised a very good point um 
Amy, and I'm going, I'm going to bridge this now because you're a bridge builder, Cindy. I'm going to bridge this for Amy <laughs> and yourself, how, how okay. you guys are more similar than not. <laughs> Here we go. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. What is healthy living? A good checkup at the doctor's office? Choosing to eat a big salad full of vegetables instead of a greasy hamburger? Attending a yoga class instead of sitting at a theater movie with fat-laden buttery popcorn and candy? All of these are good steps to healthy living. Living a healthy lifestyle is all about the choices we make every day, all day. It's choosing good, nutritious, low-calorie food instead of processed food. It's selecting a brisk walk for 30 minutes instead of playing on the computer for that time. It's being active with your children instead of sitting on the sofa watching TV. The small decisions we make every day is what builds a healthy life. Choose long life with energy, mobility, a positive outlook, and well-being by choosing to live a healthy life. I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around. We're talking to Cindy Crow and Amy Sorrells, and I'm so glad that we are. And just before we took off, I said that I was going to bridge, um, make a bridge for these two ladies to to find <laughs> their common ground. And it left me, so I'm going to apologize because that's how live radio <laughs> works, okay? <laughs> but but I know that you see it. Um, I think I think you know we we talked about. Um, people kind of losing their way and finding their way home. That is a theme in the book and people thinking that they want to go away and then coming home. And that's a theme in your book, Amy. And I think, um, Cindy, that's kind of what you did, you know, in your own life, you, you know, you wanted to come back home, come back home to your people and you're, you're trying to help your people understand why they should come home too. Absolutely. And I think that's applicable for any, any culture or any heritage because, um, you know, if, if I've learned anything through this experience and this journey is that we need to know our roots. We need to know where we come from because, you know, until you know where you come from, it's really hard to move forward. And so that doesn't mean necessarily that people are going to adopt um, that culture that they're from, but you still need to know where you come from. You need to have that awareness. I think My, so. um my second novel called Ben Sings My Soul, I did a ton of research into my my family's um, history and actually learned that we um, there's a 99% chance that we have some um, Eastern European Jewish roots. 
mean, that was just like I was. How much? What was bored. your percentage was, of that? Like ninety. I'm ninety nine percent sure, as sure as I can be, as far as the records I could trace. Um, and then knowing knowing that they came from that area of um, of. See, I'm ninety nine percent European Jewish, Eastern European Jewish. Uh, Oh, well, I'm like a... I, I, I had my a, DNA a tested now, on, 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 on um, Ancestry.com. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it when was, it came back. Yeah, it was profound for me for me to, to learn about that and just, especially growing up as a Christian and <clears throat> just understanding that Christianity came from Judaism as well. And right. I just absolutely love the Old Testament and the teachings there and just, it just—it was just so neat. So, Cindy, I absolutely agree with what you say. It's—it's it's pretty important. Yeah. And you were raised Catholic, Cindy. Yeah. So, so both my parents were were Roman Catholic, and and that's how I was raised. And I think that for um, you know some period in my life that did provide me with some comfort. But there was a, you know, as I started to become a teenager and and then a young adult. I don't know. It always felt like there was something missing in my life, and I just couldn't figure out what the missing part was. And so, you know, again, through this journey of discovering my roots, I figured out where the missing pieces were, and and it all sort of magically uh, came together. And then I was able to make some decisions about, okay, so now that I know that, now now where do I want to go? How do I want to move forward? And it wasn't too long before I realized that, yeah, I was going to do, I was going to be the bridge for people. I was going to help people um, make those discoveries as well through a variety of, of vehicles. And I always say it doesn't matter to me which vehicle people use. That that has no bearing on my um, focus. It's it's just that I'm 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 helping them in some way. Tell tell us a bit about your the shamanic healing. I, I'm interested in what you, the work that you do in that. So so for me. Um, um, being a shaman to me is about being connected to the earth. So mm-hmm. the earth elements help, um, help people to identify certain areas that need attention. And for me, um, my messengers are the animals. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you know, I should have some kind of a bumper sticker on my truck that this truck stops abrupt, abruptly if an animal is spotted. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always, um, cognizant of, of yes. who's around me. And so that's, that's how I view shamanic work. It's, it's paying attention to the messages that are happening to you. And, you know, maybe, maybe they hear something from your radio show. Maybe they see a commercial on TV. Maybe they notice that there's a, a penny on the sidewalk in front of them. I mean, there could be so many different ways that that people could receive a message. The only thing that I'm trying to promote out there is that we all need to be paying attention to those messages. You need to be listening to yourself. If you're not listening to yourself, then you're not honoring that true essence of yourself in whatever that is. Maybe it means that, um, you know, you should be painting. Maybe like like Amy and yourself, maybe that means you're writing. Um, maybe it means you want to travel around the world. Everybody has a passion. And we, if we were all following our passions, this would be such a different world. I agree. 
I agree. And you know, it's funny that you say that about the animals because I'm the one who prays as I go down a road and I tell the animals, stay off the road. I don't want to hit you. And <laughs> my, right. my, husband wrote, my husband wrote a song. He wrote a song about, you know, how she prays for little animals on the side of the road because I've done it my whole life ever since I was a tiny, tiny little girl. I don't know where it came from because I'm not religious, but I've always prayed for the souls of little animals. There always. you go. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I always thought I was native and I, I'm not, obviously, because I had my DNA tested, but I'm sure it was from a past life. And it was interesting because I was watching a, um, a, a show, and, I'm, it was, and they were Lakota, and they were speaking. And it was like almost like I understood the language, but I, I don't. Like it, but it felt so familiar in my mouth, kind of. It was really weird. I thought, well, maybe that, you know, a past life, because I, I, I am a uh, hypnotherapist, uh, metaphysical hypnotherapist. I do past life. I thought, well, maybe there's another life. But it's so interesting because I just feel so, I've always felt connected. I think that's the spiritual connection that we, that we all feel. And it's like, it's like the experience you have when you meet somebody for the first time and somehow you feel so connected to this person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, because you know, your spirits are connected. And so there is that familiarity. There is that, um, you know, that, I don't know. It's, it's like a comfort. It's like, Oh, you know, you just feel so good when you're around this person. Yeah. It's well, they say you travel with soul groups and you meet them again in different lifetimes in there and you feel so connected. What do you, what do you, um, Amy, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you believe in past life or anything like that? I don't, I don't believe in past life. Um, those, and, and that, and like sense. those kind of things, but, um, yeah, in that sense, but, I believe that kind of the things that you guys are talking about is um, the way I perceive it is it's the Holy Spirit. And as you were talking, I was thinking about uh, a recent reviewer wrote about Lead Me Home that she was mad that, um, I guess, well, close your ears if you don't want a, a, a spoiler. Yeah, it's Frankie sense. <laughs> Go ahead. No, so, want. so anyway, they were, they were mad because Noble does not go off to Nashville. Um, uh-huh. And they were really upset about that because they're like, who in their right mind wouldn't take the record deal and move yeah. their family and all this kind of stuff? But then in the book, there's the part where Noel is talking about that. And he says, um, he's like, he can't fully explain why that he's deciding to stay at home. He says, but I know I'm supposed to stay here. It's like knowing a ring around the moon means rain, that thunder in February means frost in May, that it's time to plant corn when the oak leaves are the size of a squirrel's ear, and that a red sky in the morning means you better take cover because the storm will roll in by mid-afternoon. And so it's, it is, it's like, uh, it's like you were saying, paying attention to the things that are around you. And, and that, that's kind of another theme in the novel is, is, um, you know, when we feel, so I think sometimes when we feel like we're our, the smallest, um, that that's when we can notice the most around us and the things that we're supposed to notice, if that makes sense. Yeah, in, in the despair. Well, you know, St. Mm-hmm. Francis says, you know, where there's despair, there's hope. And Yeah. And, it, yeah, I mean, I felt that way in a way, like I'm, as a musician, I'm a musician too, and I'm like, Take the record deal, dude. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. to get up every morning at 3 a.m. and feed cows for the next 50 years. But right. he realized that it was his home. He realized that was his, you know, even though he thought his destiny was somewhere else, maybe he could still play music. But home is home. And, mm-hmm. and some people like to go away from home and some people like home. And he decided that, you know, like he said, he said, God, how come you're talking to me now? Like, what about the first, you know? 
18 years of my life. Where were you? But yeah, uh, yeah. he really felt that he was connecting with the universe and that they were telling him to stay. Mm-hmm. So you, you work in a hospital. You must have seen miracles and stuff. I know that I've interviewed so many doctors and surgeons and neurosurgeons who've said, you know, they didn't believe in an afterlife or they didn't believe in, you know, anything metaphysical. And yet the things that they've seen during a surgery, they knew that it wasn't their hand guiding them. They knew that, you know, um, these people had died and come back and, you know, it wasn't them. So what, have you seen or witnessed anything in the hospital that you thought, wow. I can't think of anything in particular except that when, uh, when I work with adults and sometimes I'll be there when somebody passes, that it mm-hmm. is like, it's really the, it's really beautiful. Like, I think there's such a part, such a big part of society that tries to hide death and we make it sterile and we don't see it very often, but really, um, and that's kind of what my second book talks about, talks about that to a certain extent too, but, um, just, you know, helping people die well, um, because it really, it's like ushering them, ushering them into eternity, especially from my perspective, if they're believers and just that there's, there's a definite pause that happens after they take their, um, last breath. And it's just kind of the whole room is full of it. And it's hard to explain, but it's, it's definitely real. Yeah. I have, a, I have an author coming up shortly. Um, she's a nurse, Yvonne uh, Heath, and she wrote a book, Love Your Life to Death. And she's going to talk about the beauty of death because she's, she's mm-hmm. worked in paleo care and, and worked with a lot of people who, you know, obviously have died on her watch. And she wanted to, to tell people to talk about that to, you know, mm-hmm. before they go. And it's kind yep. of interesting, the idea. Um, it, death doesn't frighten me. I think what frightens me, um, and that's why I love about um, the idea of reincarnation is that um, it's so hard to imagine that you're erased, that you're just gone, like you, like you've never been. Like yeah. that whole thing is too profound for me to even comprehend. Sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, what, I, I I don't believe that our um, yeah I don't believe that we actually die. I believe that our energy has always existed and it always will exist. It just morphs into you know, um, different manifestations of itself, but, but it, we're, we're always the same. So I, I absolutely believe in past lives and future lives, although I'm learning now that they're all happening at the same time. And of course that's a big conversation, but yeah, that's my understanding now is that because I'm, I'm having experiences in my dreams where I'm realizing, Oh wow, I'm, I'm in one of those other realms or lives right now wow that's pretty cool well we're going to go to a break but if you want to expand on that that'd be kind of neat when we come back um this is our last break you're listening to frankie sense and more i am your host frankie picasso we have cindy crow and amy sorrels and we're having a great conversation and we hope that you'll stick around and join us we'll be right back don't go anywhere we're just getting warmed up frankie sense and more we'll be right back after we pay the bills If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. 
What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A common food myth is that bread will make you fat. The truth is quite the opposite. If you eat the right kinds of breads and other grains, you can actually lose weight. The fiber found in whole grain foods helps slow digestion, keeping you fuller longer. True whole grain bread products will have whole grain or whole wheat flour as the first ingredient. If you see anything else, it is not what you want to eat, even though it may say wheat. A study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that overweight people who acquired all of their grain servings from whole grains lost more belly fat than those who skipped the whole grains. You should still avoid refined grains like enriched flour, but a moderate amount of whole grain bread can be a great asset to a balanced diet. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Okay, and we're back with Frankie Sense. I want to make sure um, that folks can reach you two girls. So, Amy, give us your website, please. It's amykaysorrels at or com. I recently changed. So it's it's S O R R E L L S. So double R double L. amykaysorrels.com. Yep. And Cindy. So Blue Sky Community Healing Center, all one word. dot ca. Awesome. Um, I did want to ask you about what you meant by indigenous worldview. Yeah, so um, it, it's a it's a fairly long explanation, but I'll just give you a short version. So you mentioned the word Aboriginal um, earlier in our conversation, and um, Aboriginal is not really seen as a favorable term by by Indigenous people here in Ontario or in Canada. Okay. Um, and so those are one of the things that you could actually learn by attending one of our courses. So our courses are One Tribe Indigenous Worldview and Diversity Coaching, and you can go to our website for more information. But Indigenous Worldview is simply a perspective um uh, from the indigenous viewpoint. So, you know, if if I was a French person, then I could give you a French uh, worldview, but I'm, I'm giving you an indigenous worldview to help you to understand um, Where you not only the from. culture, but the, the uh, but practices in general, sort right. of. And for business people, like for the industries and government, um, if you're looking to work with indigenous communities and, and wanting a better understanding and, and what would be seen as being respectful, then oh, we can okay. give you those tips and, and give you some guidance on, on how to do that. Very important. Very important yeah. stuff. Yeah, I know as a coach, you know, and I, I, I taught coaching um, at the International Coach Academy around the world. And, and so depending upon, you know, like for the Chinese, for example, uh, to ask them anything personal is extremely rude. But how do you coach somebody when you can't ask them something personal, right? It's, it's, it's kind exactly. of, it's interesting, but you have to know that, you know, you or, that, to know or that. a woman can't ask this or do that. Yeah. So it's interesting how... Um, you know, what goes on. And for you, Amy, all of this is, is just such great fodder for another book, right? <laughs> it is. Yes, I'm taking notes. 
I'm sure you are. <laughs> but there, but um, one of the things that Cindy mentioned too about her center is that uh, she, her intentions, her goals is to make it a warm and comfortable place for sharing. And um, yes. I think we've even been doing a little bit of that today, as we kind of have. I think we've gotten pretty real on some on some issues, and it just yeah. it, it reminds me again about how um, just the setting of this book lent itself to to showing how much community and being authentic with each other matters. And there's a scene in there where um, James is talking. James, whose church is dying, is talking to another pastor whose church is doing pretty well, and uh, they, it talks about how they they were. Um, arguing over Bible translations and wrestling with God's grace and even cursing a little bit about the taking of a wife too soon. Um, and then it, ta- it says that they could be plain men in front of each other, That and that in itself was a blessing to James, for it had been too long since he felt the robes of his calling lift enough for him to come out from under them and breathe. Mm-hmm. So important I, I think because people expect yeah. they, 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 they keep a pastor or somebody like that to a higher standard and they're just, they're just men or women. Like they're just human mm-hmm. beings who, you know, decided or had a calling to do something, but it doesn't mean that they're better or worse than anybody else. It just means that, you know, you're a writer and he's a pastor. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so we do, we go, Oh, it's even worse if they did something, you know, but not yeah. really, not really. Yeah. You know, and he needed an outlet to be able to talk to somebody man to man or just human being to human being. And so he chose this other pastor to do that. And I'm wondering also, Cindy, in, in your role uh, as lodge keeper, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you were Catholic. Now you have this, this other view and perspective about um, life and, you know, God or the universe or uh, whatever. How do, how do you blend those two together. I mean, you don't have to give up one to accept the other. Do you? That that's, that's exactly my belief. I don't, I don't believe that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't you marry all of these together? Um, but yet there are people that have been taught that, you know, if you are following traditional spirituality practices, you are not uh, able to go to church and vice versa. And so that causes a lot of friction and confusion and um, and hard feelings between people and families and communities by having that viewpoint. So, yeah, again, you know, we're all about bringing all people together. I look at it like this. Life should be like a potluck. I don't know if you guys call it a potluck, but we call it, we call it a potluck. Yep. And, yep. and, you know, um, when people come together for a potluck, you know, we're not criticizing one person because all they brought was a bag of buns. Maybe that's all they could afford was a bag of buns. And so mm-hmm. we, we welcome them to the potluck and we accept them because that's proper potluck etiquette. Same thing is we wouldn't criticize for someone for how they made their beans. Maybe that's how they make their beans. If I don't like it, it doesn't mean that I have to eat it, but I'm still going to welcome them to the dinner. And so I would like people to get back to that sort of a practice um, of potluck etiquette. You know, we should be accepting all people to the table mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and welcoming them and having a discussion, right? Having a, an open discussion because food is a common denominator. You know, it's, it's very, very important when you're bringing different cultures together to have food there. 
Right. You know, it's interesting, um, Ben, you'll remember this from Tuesday, but on my show on Tuesday, um, I had a president of Biola University and, and he wrote a book called Love Kindness. And he said, you have to have a hard, hard center and soft edges. And what he meant by that was you keep your, your values and what you believe in, you know, at the core of you. Um, but you, the softness is allowing yourself to engage with other people of different cultures and different beliefs. And not that you have to believe everything that they believe because you've got your heart center where, where you believe what you believe, but you, you're able to actively listen. You're able to accept them as them and for who they are, not necessarily meaning that you have to you know, get rid of what you believe in and accept what they want you to accept. So I, I think that was a really good example that we can believe what we believe, but be accepting of other people. Yeah. And, and honoring that person's journey, and honoring so that person's journey. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe it's not for me, but maybe it's an absolutely perfect journey for them. So but it's interesting you know, to hear it. Yeah. And, and yeah. who am I, who am I to judge another person's journey? So Right. Yeah, because absolutely. too often people will turn off and they'll go, I don't want to hear about that. It has nothing, you know, I don't want, racism is bad. I don't want to hear about it, you know, but you have to hear about it. You have to listen. That's, to, who, they, to, that's who they are. That's who they are. Yeah. 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 So, you know, really I, I met this woman who was the only Jew left in Poland alive. And she was the only Jew left in Poland alive after the war because she was raised Catholic by her adoptive family and they didn't tell her that she was Jewish until maybe she was six or seven years old. And she loved Jesus so much. She loved going to, you know, church, the Catholic church so much. Um, and then she, her, her relatives came uh, from America and they were like um, Orthodox Jews, like so difficult to, you know, bridge that. Um, and today, you know, she travels the world and, and she's been to Israel like three times and, but she loves both. You know, she goes, why can't I love Jesus and love, you know, my Jewish heritage? And she can. Yep. And she can. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It it may not be. Yeah, may not be a common practice and it may not be approved by all. But, oh, well, sucks to be them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, they get very, uh, you know, these hard edges instead of the soft edges. And the hard edges don't allow you to allow other people to be themselves authentic. And that's what's, you know, I think part of what's wrong today is that we need to, people are craving to be authentic. They're craving to be themselves and not be judged by everybody. Like we're only judging everybody because we're not confident in ourselves. Yeah. that's Yeah. Amen. Frankie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And hallelujah too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's true, right? I mean, it, it, I love learning about indigenous people. I love learning about, um, you know, the Hoosiers in, in the milking of the cows. I mean, everything in your book. Okay. I don't go to church, but it doesn't mean I don't want to hear about a dying church and about, you know, the struggles and what people feel and, and what it feels like to go to that church and for everybody to know who you are. And this pastor kept saying, you know, I saw that empty seat, but I didn't go after them. And he kind of felt bad because he was wrapped up in his own head. He should have, you know, gone out and said, Hey, you know, why don't you come anymore, Cindy? You know, did I miss the boat on something? Is there something <laughs> I did that, you know, you don't want to come here anymore? Yeah. That was a good point, Amy. Good point in the book. Um, because we do have to nourish and nurture people and, and ask, you know, aren't we feeding them Yeah. in the, in the biblical sense, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. we, food is, is the great denominator. We all come together for food. Nobody says no to food. <laughs> if you have a meeting, it, all you have to do is have food and people will show up, right? <laughs> that's right. That's yep. right. 
that's how you get them there. So speaking of food, I'm I'm kind of curious. What what's a Hoosier food? What what you know? What's a big? And I I should say I lived in Louisville. I went to high school in Louisville. Um, okay. And I I think I remember it, like Hush Puppies was kind of our thing. But so what would a Hoosier food be? What do you oh guys goodness. For? Well, I think this is just my personal opinion. Sure. I think it's anything pork related. Pulled pork, um, pork burgers, bacon. We we actually I think we are one of the leading um, pork producing. Um, states in the union, so so definitely anything like that. Um, okay. When I think of Hoosier food, I think of state fair food. Okay. Which is probably about as healthy as we are in comparison <laughs> to other states as well. And I have Sadly, to tell you, but, Cindy, I, every time and Amy, every time I go buy a truck with pigs in it, I tell the <laughs> pigs, I, I I have a little conversation with them and I thank them, you know, and I tell them not to be too scared because they're very sensitive pigs, you know. You they don't want. They are. they are. They're very sensitive. Um, what, what would what would a native food be up, up where you are? So so for for me, I I'm vegan, so I don't do I don't do meat, but definitely wild meats are popular here. So moose or or deer, um, and something a little more my style would be like a wild rice and uh, and blueberries or oh, or pies, that. of course. You know, uh, fresh pies. Um, and they call the, the, another, uh, popular one is the, is the three sisters. Right. So, yeah. What's the three sisters? Yeah. What's the three sisters? It's like, I think it's like beans, squash and corn. Okay. All right. And have you been vegan your whole life? No, just, just in the last several years. And another popular one is bannock. I can't forget. I was going to say bannock. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a, like a bread. (laughs) kind of thing yeah, it's like it's like a biscuit yeah yeah okay well we got 30 seconds left to the show so let me thank both of you ladies so much for coming on i really appreciate you speaking with me and having a conversation with me and you're both so delightful and i really hope that everybody checks out your book lead me home and cindy i hope people come and check out blue sky community healing center because i think you're both doing great and wonderful things in the world so thank you thank you thank Frank. you And thanks, Ben, for producing this show. And all of you, thank you for tuning in each and every week. I do love you. And we will see you again next week. She know you, she the one way to turn the world.